Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show, heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the family-owned foreman pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. I am here with Dr. Sarah Cutler. She's the house call vet. She owns the Behavior Clinic for Dogs and Cats in Northern Westchester and either makes house calls, which for cats is way preferable to coming into any clinic, even a cat-friendly one, and even goes into New York City for people. Dr. Cutler and I talked previously about dogs and what she can do in terms of behavior for dogs, but I'd love Dr. Cutler to talk now about kitties and people who have cats who are leading not their best life, to use that sort of time-worn human phrase, that their environment is not giving them what they need, and the people don't possibly understand what they could do to alter that environment. And I'm wondering, when people come to you with behavior issues for kitties, what is the main issue, the cat not being affectionate enough or intercat aggression? Where does the where does the, the needle poke the most mm, in terms yeah. of why they seek out a veterinarian who's very practiced in behavior and will visit you and your cat? Right. So um, the I would say the, the most common problems that people seek help for with cats are um, cats that live in multi-cat homes. Okay. And we've got sort of two big issues that people get concerned about. Um, one is the cats, one or more cats stop using the litter boxes right. to urinate and defecate. Uh, and then the other is aggression between the cats. Um, those and those two things are also very often related. Um, right. So, other common issues are aggression towards people, um, and um, so the, so those three things kind of spin around um, the wheel because they're all related. Um, and as you referenced, you know when we with good intention, and my own two cats live indoors only, um, so, you know, with good intentions, we bring our domestic cats into our homes. Uh, our domestic cats are very closely related to their wild ancestors, much more than our domestic dogs. Right. Um, and we are basically bringing little wild animals into the confines of a human home. Now, with some cats, 
the ones who are like the purebred, they're more domesticated than, say, my cat. Yes, like I was going to ask you that. I was going to yeah, say, so yeah. if somebody has a ragdoll or one of these cats right. that's bred so for being cats, uber yeah. affectionate and like totally indoor princesses, if you will. Exactly. So those cats have definitely, they're going to do better in within the home environment, handling confinement, handling um, you know, not not doing a lot of the things that say my cats whose right. names are Leo and Cleo, right? So by Leo and Cleo, by having them live indoors, I am depriving them of using their bodies and their brains in the way that their genetics have, you know, gotten right. them this far. So right. they don't hunt. Um, they are not fighting or flighting. They're not fleeing from anything. They're not doing any of the things that they would if they were living outdoors some of which might be stressful and hard, but it is their brain is hardwired to do those things. Right. So when they then we bring them indoors and we, you know, they don't, they're not roaming any kind of territory. They never change their territory. Sometimes there are manifestations of that. So, you know, frustrations, um, depression even, uh, especially some of the cats that live in small apartments and really have no view of the outside world, um, and they're under-stimulated, under-enriched. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of the cat behavior problems really stem from not doing the things they're supposed to be doing. Um, and, then, and then the other thing that really comes up is the multi-cat homes. Um, again, you know, if you take barn cats, for example, or cats that live outdoors, um, they, if, if they're having an issue with another cat, they just move up. They move right. on, right? That's they right. find another barn or yes. another territory. Yes. Um, and we know with cats, uh, when we watch cats who kind of live naturally with each other, the female cats do hang out with each other. They have their kittens. They help each other rear the kittens. But the the male cats really kind of they don't really participate in that and they kind of go off and do their own thing and live a little bit more solitary lives. And if they get into it with somebody, well, then they just move on. Um, so when we bring our cats into homes, the multi-cat situation, which is very tempting to do, right? Because cats are usually eight to 15 pounds. They, it's easy for us to take care of them typically. Uh, so, so there's this idea that, oh, I can just get another cat. Oh, I'll just go get another cat. Oh, right. I'll just get another cat. Right. Um, which we don't have that as much with dogs because caring for dogs is just physically more challenging. So, so then you get a house full of cats. Um, sometimes that can work if there's enough resources for the cats. But a lot of times we're asking cats to all eat in the same place or we only provide one or two litter boxes or we, you know, we don't have enough vertical space or there's only one big feeding bowl. There's, you know, and, and the resources can also apply to, you know, wanting to hang out with family members. That's right. So we've got to really, really spread out those resources if we're going to have a multi-cat home so that there's no competition, there's no bullying, there's no... Um, like you know difficulty in gaining access to whatever it is that the cat wants and the litter box is a huge huge issue that I deal with and sometimes yes. I just laugh that you know here I am with my you know my degrees and my <laughs> you know and I spend a lot of time looking at litter boxes <laughs> and explaining to people that you know why this isn't working 
and you know what you really need to do for your cat's bathroom happiness, which is essentially important for an indoor cat who doesn't have a lot of choice and freedom. So um, we want to make the the bathroom the litter, We want to make the litter box like a spa. Yes, um, we want exactly. them to be very happy about going to the litter box. So um, so there's that's a huge part of what I do. And so sometimes people will call and say. I need your help because one cat is bullying the other and I'll go to the home and I'll find, yes, there's bullying, but there's all these other environmental things that are, that are happening that we can, we can definitely help. We can definitely make improvements so that they don't have to be competing for these resources. Um, and then the vice, the other thing happens is people call and say, I need your help because my cat or my cats are peeing all over the house and um, and that's a big human problem, right? It's yeah, a, huge. It's not a problem for the cat necessarily, but for the people, it's huge. So we go to the home, and it turns out, yes, someone's peeing all over the house. But the other issue is they that cat, for example, cannot get to the litter box because the bully cat that's is right. blocking access. And so the cat has no choice but to pee on, you know, the bed or by the windowsill or what have you. So, um, and the other thing on that note, just to, you know, finish off on the environment and bringing our cats indoors is for some cats, if they're indoors and they're observing the outdoor world, that can be triggering for them to start going to the bathroom inside because cats are territorial. And so... You know, they can't, in, when they're living indoors, they can't roam and do the things they want to do, and they might see other cats or critters from the windows that may trigger some spraying behavior. So um, we always want, you know, that's part of what I do when I go to the homes. I'm always looking at the location of windows and what's outside the windows and, you know, where are the cats being and is it is it related to being you know, the territorial business, or is it the intercat issue, or is it something really simple, like your litter box is very, very unwelcoming to your yes. cat. Right. Um, it's um, either it's either covered, or it's an automatic one, or there's yeah. only mm-hmm. one and you've got two cats, or one and you've mm-hmm. got three cats, or it's in a spot that the cat doesn't feel safe to exactly. exit and enter without being possibly attacked or even stared at by another cat. Exactly. It's funny when you say that about your degree because becoming a veterinarian is a long and complicated medical training <laughs> process. And I sort of think of you as like, you're a real estate agent. You come into the house and go, this is not going to work because, right. you know, rearrange this furniture and rearrange yep. this other <laughs> furniture, which basically cat furniture, right? A vertical space, yep. litter boxes, where you eat, uh, ha- looking out the window, do you have to close the drapes or frost the bottom half of the window so the right. cat isn't freaked out by seeing free-roaming cats outside? And not only spraying, but often there's that redirected aggression. You look out the window, exactly. you see another cat, and you turn to your buddy and just go after him because you're yep. so wound up. Now you have yep. two cats that don't know what's wrong between each other, but you you got a problem. How often do you medicate cats when they have... Intercrat um, aggression. Of course, uh, first you change the the environment. Yeah. First. Yeah. So I would say less less than medicating dogs. Number one, because um, the environment is so huge, and there's usually nowhere. To, you know, for I mean that's not true. There are a lot of homes where people really are have done amazing things, or you know, uh, having the ability to 
for some cats, not all cats, for some cats to be able to get outside on a leash or in a catio or yeah, in a street-in porch. Yeah, that, that can really be a game changer. So, um, you know, but medication, yes, we use, um, we use Prozac for cats. Um, we also use gabapentin. Um, so, yes, there are cats that I will medicate. When it comes to the, the, the things that I talked about, there's so much other stuff to do. Yes. So sometimes I say, you know, let's, let's work on all this other stuff. And if we're still having the problem, then we can talk about medication. However, you know, just like I said before with the dogs, if their quality of life is really poor because of anxieties, um, you know, I, I do encourage medication. Um, and, and so, so it's a discussion, you know, and every case is different. And I'm sure you have people that have that push back about the idea of medicating a cat, assuming that they've either got a mostly ideal environment, which I would guess they don't, or they've made the change that you suggested and amount of time has passed, which with cats, you must be patient and time is not <laughs> instant. And then you say, you know, this would be a chance to try a little of Prozac and see if that gets them into a different frame of mind and wouldn't necessarily even be on it long term. Do you have people who, go, who say, oh, I don't want my cat to be like in an insane asylum and be all doped um, up? You know, I would say I would say for the most part, especially if part of the problem is urinating around the house, people are, you know, they're so upset by that that they'll, they're usually pretty willing to explore medication. Um, the biggest hurdle, I would say, is administering medication <laughs> to cats. <laughs> and so, you know, and and I and I we talked about dogs in another radio session. Yes. Um, but I would say, as a general rule, in my approach to medicine um, and to behavior, is I I don't listen. I don't pill my cats. I I would do anything before I had to. Put a pill down their throat. Yeah. I think that's so unpleasant for the owner and the cat. Correct. Uh, there are some exceptions. Some cats tolerate it okay. But so I, as as part of my counseling, whether you have a dog or a cat, um, we're always trying to. If we're going to use a medication, we don't want the administration of the medication to add into well the problem of mm -hmm. anxiety or mm -hmm. tension, right? And especially if there is tension between the owner and the and the dog or cat. Um, you know, it's we're only going to add more if now the owner is chasing the cat and now has got to put the cat in a burrito with a towel <laughs> and has to get the hubby to help and we got to put the pill down the throat. Forget it. Not worth it. Correct. So, yeah, it's a really um, great point. But yeah, so, so I do a lot of, you know, uh, creative thinking and counseling about how to give your cat medicine with, without it being a big, huge drama every single day. And so that, that's usually the hurdle is, okay, if I, the owners are on board with meds, how are we going to give it to the cat? And then we talk about the different right. way. And there's different pharmacies that make different formulas. Compounded and, and it's supposed to be exactly. tasty, but no cat really wants yeah. that thing that <laughs> right. tastes like beef, which doesn't interest them. A quick question exactly. about pheromone diffusers or even uh -huh. pheromone I think they, they certainly have collars for dogs. I don't know if they yep. have pheromone mm -hmm. collars for kitties or, or topical that you can put on. Do you find that it works for some cats? Um, so, yeah. So the, the, the common pheromone product for cats is called Feel Away, and it is, it's uh, different than the one that dogs use. Um, right. So 
what the feel-away is, is the pheromone that the cats actually um, emit from their own glands when they're rubbing on your pant leg right. or when they're rubbing on a corner. Uh, or you know, So um, that is supposed to... Have, it's supposed to help calm them down and sort of uh, diffuse tensions between cats or make cats relax more. Um, I think it can help. Um, you know, with a lot of those things, I usually tell people it's not going to hurt and it might help. So why not do it, right? It doesn't need, you don't need a prescription for it. Um, you know, you don't have to calculate anything. Uh, there are no side effects. So, you know, why not do it if you can? But it has um, to be done in concert with behavior modification or environmental yeah. modification. It's yeah. not some kind of a magic bullet. Plug it in and everyone's no, going to no. sing Kumbaya. No, no. There's no magic bullet, by the way. <laughs> exactly. There are no magic bullets, especially with cats. Just to wrap up, Dr. Sarah Cutler can make house call visits. She is called the house call vet in the city, any part of northern Westchester. With dogs, she'll also have them come to the clinic. I imagine that's a bad idea for kitties because, first of all, you have to yeah. see their living conditions. And second of all, what does a cat like less than being in a carrier and being brought into a vet clinic? Not much. Right, that's right. sort of top of top of list for horrible. But I just want to say I'm really glad you're there for the dogs and cats of Westchester and the city, and I'm sure you can do some stuff, Zooming or Skyping or something oh, yeah. as well. Yes. Oh, so I do a lot of remote. You yes. do. Good. Well, mm -hmm. the Behavior Clinic for Cats and Dogs is in Westchester, and Dr. Sarah Cutler is there for your kitties, um, all of them, and make <laughs> sure you don't take on too many before you have to call her. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Cutler. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support their products because they stand behind my mission, which is to educate and inspire while entertaining. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like No Hide and the Hybrid Dry Food Wisdom, which sometimes is all that my Blue Wimer on or Maisie will eat. My other sponsor is Cradle, which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs, using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S.-grown hemp, formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. And I'm grateful to Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It is higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.